Yo, it's Tim Malcolm, the editorial director of philliesnation.com and the host of both the Phillies Nation podcast and this podcast, Playing the Rube. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Playing the Rube, the podcast is simple. It's me and Dan Walsh taking on the role of general manager of the 2009 Philadelphia Phillies through Out of the Park Baseball 2018. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Out of the Park Baseball, it is a really fun simulation game that you play on your computer where you take control of a franchise and all of their farm system, their entire farm system, I should say, and they make all the trades, the free agent signings, you do all the payroll decisions, everything is under your power. So that's really fun. We like it at least. And this podcast is about our chance in playing that game, trying to do a better job in being GM of the Phillies than Ruben Amaro was in 2009 and forward. We're not doing a good job. The Phillies are terrible. We are 16-34, and 34, which is much worse than we ever thought we would be. Part of that is because out-of-the-park baseball underrates some of the players that were good the year before in real life. So as an example, Brad Lidge, even though he was perfect in 2008 in real life, is atrocious in 2009. He's rated really poorly, and so the stats bear that out. So we have a Brad Lidge problem. That is where we left last week. We put Brad Lidge on waivers and designated him for assignment, hoping that another team would pick him up on waivers. Problem is, he has a very, very expensive contract that is for many years. We don't believe he'll get picked up, but we're hoping and crossing our fingers. That's where we leave things this week. We'll get there in a second, but first, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and youtube.com slash Phillies Nation. Look it up on Phillies Nation, the Phillies Nation podcast. You'll see it all there. Hopefully, we're going to get our own separate uh, Playing the Rube podcast link soon, so look out for that. Also, you can go to philliesnation.com for all of your Phillies news, rumors, information, opinion, and much more. This is uh, happening right now during the 2018 winter, 17 winter meetings, my God. And the Phillies have some decisions to potentially make over the next couple weeks. We'll cover all of that at philliesnation.com. Okay, back to 2009. Let's play the Rube. Brad Lidge stretches. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008, 2008 world champions of Philadelphia. October 29th, 2008. Just days later, Ruben Amaro Jr. would be named general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. But what if, months after that, Ruben left. That's where we come in. Two guys living in their houses in 2017 will attempt to simulate the 2009 Phillies in answering the eternal question, could two guys living in their houses in 2017 do better than Ruben Amaro Jr. with the Philadelphia Phillies? Welcome to Playing the Rube. June 1st, 2009, the Phillies are 16-34, and 34, and we're playing really well right now, but we have a little issue in our bullpen, a certain guy named Brad L. No, wait a sec, that's too obvious. B. Lidge. Now we're out west in San Diego, so the sun is shining, the beaches are warm, the margaritas are ice cold. I know you don't drink one, so you can have a virgin margarita. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're feeling good. But we do have some problems. 
first and foremost, Brad Lidge, who we talked about a couple of days back, and we made a big move on. We decided to waive him and designate him for assignment. Funny, nobody decided to pick up Brad Lidge from the waiver wire. I, it's weird. Do they not? Maybe they don't know that he was perfect in 2008. Yeah, I mean... What we should do, let's buy every other team a copy of the 2008 Phillies video yearbook. Great idea. Send it around, um, and then they'll want him. It's called The Perfect Season, which was about him, basically. And I think he narrated the thing. I mean, why wouldn't anybody want Brad Lidge? His narration skills, just first and foremost, are worth having on any team. Um, There's a lot of recency bias from these teams right now. Lidge is, you know, not... I, I mean... 14.06 14.06 ERA is not that bad. You know, it's not as if he's got a 30 ERA. And he does have a 9.0 K per 9. Now, forget that he had a 14.6 walk per 9. That 9.0 K per 9 is really... I'd say that's a strikeout an inning, Dan. That is a strikeout an inning. And he still throws a slider, which, you know, automatically makes him valuable. Um, and like you said, we're paying him, what, $12 million a year? And so when you throw in... You're not just getting the strikeouts, you're also getting, like you said, a very fine narrator. So, yeah. um, you know, he really does double duty for you. It's a kind of a bargain, really, when you think about it. You would pay a narrator probably on the black market like $15, $16 million for one video, right? You're paying this guy $12 million for the next three seasons so that he can narrate your team videos, all of them, for the next three seasons. I mean, this is a steal, and I don't know why teams aren't interested in him, but... We still have him, so that's the deal. Uh, and we only have six days left to make a decision on him. We can do a couple things. We can release him outright, which would give us nothing in return and would probably be terrible optics on our part. We could also put him back on the 40-man roster and 25-man roster and say, eh, mea culpa, it's fine. I was thinking, like, we could potentially do a thing where we put him back on the 40 and 25-man see what he does for like a week, and if he still sucks, just wave him again because nobody's going to take him, and then put him back on the 40 and 25 minute after 10 days. How does that sound to you? Not great. That sounds like some modern baseball GM version of a Sisyphus myth, um, <laughs> so I will pass I will pass on that one if that's all right with you. All right. Now, I figured that wasn't going to work out with you. Um, I mean, I don't mind if Philadelphia fans come to my house. I mean, let's be real. You know, I, I, I need some decoration anyways. So, but it's okay. We don't have to do that. Um, the other, th- the other, the third option we have, and it's really the option that we probably should take here, is trade him to a team that would take him, uh, but at a cost. And so, what I did last night in a feverish rush to ensure that we had a plan set up because we weren't just doing this willy nilly, Dan, was I texted every general manager in baseball. Most of them got back to me. A couple of them asked, "What is a text message?" when they called me. Um, because it is 2009, and I got a decent amount of, I wouldn't say offers, but, like, returns from teams uh, who would say, yeah, we would take Brad, but here's what it would cost you guys. So I sent you the list of all the different returns that are possible for Brad Lidge, and there's a lot of teams. I think, like, more than half the league has responded, uh, and there's some decent names in there that we could take. Now, most of these names are guys who have... Uh, pretty big contracts. They might only be one- or two-year contracts, but some of them are multi-year, 3-4. And most of their season numbers or overall ratings are pretty bad. So we're going to be taking on, obviously, a risk on our end. But of what you see in front of you that I sent you, what do you think kind of stands out? 
Yeah, most of these, you're right, there are a lot of good players on here, but for, for most of the good players, we would have to also bundle in one of our stars. So, for example, Ichiro Suzuki would require us to bundle in not only Lidge, but also Jason Worth and Vance Worley, one of our most promising pitching prospects. So we're not really interested in that because we're so desperate for our prospects. No, um, and also, we don't want to rehab. We, wanna, we don't want to tear down this team completely and rebuild. We did trade Shane Victorino a couple weeks ago, but that was in the guise of getting a lot of pitching in return that was Major League ready. Also, we figured we still had a decent outfield because we picked up Johnny Gomes in a very ridiculous trade for Paul Bacco. So we don't want to get rid of Major League talent because we still feel like at least next year we have the ability to come right back to contend. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So um, so th- there are a couple names here that stand out to me. I, I think that Cincinnati seems the most interested in Lidge because they are offering some pretty pretty impressive players in return without us having to include anyone who would who who we would feel, you know, their their absence very clearly. So um Cincinnati is interested in either giving us Francisco Cordero, who is a seventy overall seventy potential player, or uh Bronson Arroyo, who is fifty fifty. Now Arroyo I don't like to watch him pitch, but fortunately this game doesn't involve actually watching video of any kind, so I'm a little more open minded to that. And so for either of those trades it's worth pointing out too that they would want, uh, in addition to Lidge, one of our younger prospects, Anthony Ghost. Right, and Ghost is uh, 18 years old. I believe he's 18 right now. I'm actually looking at a different place right now, but I'll, I'll pull him up in a second. Uh, he's 18 years old, and I believe he's uh, in the Gulf Coast League right now. He's really, really far away from being anything on our radar for the major leagues, so we could potentially give him up. Uh, and Ghost is a 20 overall, 25 potential. He has only one line of stats. He was in the Gulf Coast League just for a moment last season where he put up pedestrian numbers. He's a 45 potential contact, 55 potential gap power, 30 potential home run power, 50 potential discipline, 30 potential avoid strikeout. So sort of a uh, league average kind of type hitter there. Uh, His big asset is speed. He's an 80 in speed and a 75 in stealing and an 80 in base running. He's really fast. He obviously can be a 40 to 50 base dealer. Uh, uh, he's right now tabbed to be that kind of guy in the major leagues. And he plays center field, so it's a good position to play. So that's really where he potentially ends up. But if the contact never really makes it past the 45, I don't know if he really becomes an everyday starter in the major leagues. Maybe he's more of a fourth outfielder type who comes off the bench and does a lot of uh, pinch running. But Cincinnati, so... They here's the deal with Francis Cordero, and this is why they're offering him. He's also getting paid $12 million, and he's also getting paid $12 million for the next three years with a team option for the fourth year. It's the same exact contract as Brad Lidge's contract. Um, the difference is that he's a 70 overall potential, whereas Brad, uh, Brad, I was going to say, Brad Lidge is a 20 overall 25 potential, and Cordero doesn't seem to be going down anytime soon as far as the ratings. He's a 55 in stuff, 65 in movement. He's a 45 in control, but that's not the, I think, 25 or 30 that Brad Lidge is. 55 fastball, 55 slider, 55 changeup. So he's got three good offerings. He's a closer type. He's probably more of a back-end reliever at this point. He's having a really bad season. 7.5 walks per nine, which is not anywhere near how bad Brad Lidge is. 6.2 strikeouts per nine, which is not near as good as Brad Lidge is. 
Uh, he's got a 9.3 ERA, so that's not good. But he seems to be the kind that maybe with a little bit more time will just improve and have a better line at the end of the season. But Cordero is a lot of money and a lot of time. So we're basically just hoping that Cordero is what Brad Lidge is not right now. The other name that you had mentioned there is um, Bronson Arroyo, 32 years old, also with a big contract, $10.75 million this year, $12.25 million next year, then a team option for $15 million in 2011. So that's not as bad as two years with a third-year option coming up. Uh, 50 overall potential. 45 stuff, 55 move, 50 movement, 60 control. So good control pitcher. He doesn't have a lot of great stuff, but he can hide it because he can locate the plate. Um, this year he has a 4.52 ERA with 31 strikeouts and 24 walks. He's been mediocre at best, more like a fifth starter, fourth starter. Which you know we, I guess we could use that guy. We have Brett Myers right now and all the young guys, so. He might be a little much in our rotation right now, but I don't know. Like, of the two, who do you kind of gravitate toward first? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I initially, I mean, Cordero's 70-70 rating is flashy, right? It stands out to you. Um, at the same time, though, you have to see, you know, Arroyo, you put him in the rotation, you can bump Myers and make him a reliever again. You know, something like it gives us some flexibility there. That's true. Um, so I'm really not sure. To, really, to go after Cordero, you have to be thinking that this money is already as good as spent, right? And, and we might as well get something that we're actually going to benefit from uh, while we're paying somebody this money. And the 70-70 rating is more likely to give you that than the 20-25 of Lich. So, um, so, so I'm not sure if any of these other offers, because there are offers from other teams, too, uh, I'm not sure if any of them would offer us some salary relief. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think if if it's and and by the way, Cincinnati wouldn't just do a done deal with Cordero or Arroyo. They'd have to think about Legend Ghost, so there might have to be an, another player involved there. Which if I, I almost feel like if they want to add another player, we we kind of had to add a prospect on their end because we can't just go with one of those guys. Um, the Mets, you had also kind of put them uh, underlined as uh, they're offering Oliver Perez, who's a 30-30, uh, for Lidge and Vance Worley. And Worley's like a 60, I think, potential. Um, 65 potential. So that's, you yeah, whatever. Um, I'm not as high about that one. And then the other Lidge and Ghost think about a trade that you have there is Detroit. They're offering Jeremy Bonderman, who is a 25 40 potential, um, and I think Bonderman has potentially a better contract than the other guys. So he's getting paid 12.5 million this year and 12.5 million next year. He's a free agent after that, so it's basically the Bronson Arroyo contract. Um, and he is a 25-40. He's also 26, so maybe he hasn't hit his potential yet. But his potential isn't outrageously good, I'd almost rather have Arroyo in that situation over Bonderman. Um, there is a bunch of salary relief stuff in there, though, too, but I, it looks like you don't really care about any of the other deals. No, well, a lot of the other teams want Jonathan VR, who I'm not really willing to part with, or they want Worth, who we need to hold on to, you know, and so for me, it would take more than most of these players to part with Worley, even Worley, or uh, VR, or 
worth, you know, I would need like a, a lot of players coming back. Even though I understand that, um, I understand that Lidge is kind of uh, a hot piece of garbage. But, um, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if we're going to give up some prospects, I want more than just like uh, a guy that they're moving to clear salary to make to to have enough cap space for Lidge. Um, so, so that's why you know the ones that we both thought were most interesting were the ones where we're giving up Lidge and like Goes, who has some assets, but he's pretty easy to replace, unlike Worth or VR. So what about Milwaukee? Because that was the other deal, and this actually could be a done deal without them having to think about it. They're offering Jeff Sapan, who we beat... No, he beat us. No, we beat him in the playoffs last last year um, in Game 1, I believe. He was actually the Game 1 starter. No, he was a Game 4 starter. Yeah, we beat him in the, in the clincher. Anyways... He um, is 34. He's making 12.75 million this year. Then he makes 12.75 next year. Then there's a team option for 13 in 2011. So basically, again, Bronson Arroyo. He's a 30-30. So he's not Bronson Arroyo there. Uh, this year he has a 5.2 walk per nine and a 4.4 strikeout per nine, and he's got a 3.48 ERA. But that looks like a smoke and mirrors ERA right now. He's only also pitched 10 innings, so I don't know what the deal is there. Um, he also might be relieving right now, which is why he is relieving. Uh, he could be a reliever or a starter because he's got a 65 stamina. I don't know. Is Jeff Sapan anything that interests you, or would you just rather, like, between Sapan or Arroyo, who would you rather have? And then between, you know, you had mentioned both Cordero and Arroyo, but, I mean, if you want to pick one. I know we had talked about that a second ago, but what do you think? Uh, yeah, so let me just kind of try to get my thoughts in order here. So we have a lot of names in front of us right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so I guess that what we should decide is, and, and maybe in the end this is kind of splitting hairs, what's most important to us? Is it getting back the best player without giving up the most, or is it uh, having the most money come off the books? Um. That's a good question. Um, and and either way, we're still going to be paying somebody about twelve million this year. But some of these deals, uh, some of these contracts are only through this year, and next year, and then we would get salary relief sooner than if we picked up, you know, than if we swapped for Cordero, for example. So we have about two million right now for free agents this year, and our budget this year is one hundred and forty million. Good payroll fourth in the league, uh, or the fourth biggest budget in the league. Um, I have a feeling, because we're so bad this year, that we might get a payroll slash at the end of the year, which could be really, really tough for us, because we have a lot of players we want to hold on to, obviously. Um, but we do have a lot of young players that we don't have to pay a lot of money to. So, to me, it's almost as if, I think it'd be a lot harder to move Francisco Cordero and that twelve point that twelve million dollars, just like it was hard to move Brad Lidge right now, and I feel like we'd have to give up another prospect to move Cordero. Whereas if we had Arroyo or Jeff Sapan for the next two years, that's not as like we can hide that guy. Like if you know we could put Arroyo in the rotation, move Myers to the bullpen, and if Arroyo doesn't work out, we can just. I mean, we could we could put Arroyo in the bullpen, or I mean, I don't know their option and all that stuff right now offhand, 
but we could potentially just cut an Arroyo, and I wouldn't feel so bad about cutting a guy with one more year left on the contract. We'd have to pay it still, but it's not as big a deal as having a Francisco Cordero on the book. So I'd rather have the starter because it does give us that flexibility in a lot more ways, but Cordero's 70-70 is really tantalizing. Yeah, and you know, so you're kind of talking me into Arroyo here, um, and I think that's the side that I'm coming down on now. What is also convincing me is the fact that I think that, uh, you know, this salary, let's say that all these players are making somewhere in the ballpark of $12 million. Arroyo is more likely than Lidge or Oliver Perez or even Jeff Sapon. He's the most likely to be worth $12 million a year, I think. Um, and you might agree also. So that's yeah. the... He, that's the name that if we're going to have to haggle with the team, that's the name that I'm most interested in at least spending a few days talking to. Yeah, and Cordero, let's be honest, is a relief pitcher, and that's what he is. Like, relief pitchers, you have to be really good to be worth $12 million a year, especially for four seasons. So, you're right. You know, I think Arroyo, of anybody in the list, he pitches enough, he's pitched well enough for a long enough time, that he would probably make that $12 million up or whatever he's paying, whatever he's worth if he pitches well enough. If he doesn't, I think we just, you know, we have an easier decision to make than Brad Lynch. So, yeah, I would be cool with talking to Cincinnati about Bronson. I mean, the other question is, do we really want to make a trade? Like, do we feel like we want to give up Anthony Goes just to get rid of Brad Lynch and get a flexible pitcher in our rotation and bullpen? Yeah, I'm not super attached to Anthony Goes um, just because he's so far off. And so in addition to us having to hold on to him for, you know, four, five, six more years before we actually see anything kind of crystallize in him, we also have to hope that in all that time, he actually makes strides and exceeds the potential that we're currently seeing in him. Yeah, I'm with you. And plus, we're going to have another draft class coming in next year. And I mean, I, I don't like losing guys with potential. But if it's a 25 potential, we can make that up pretty quickly somewhere else along the way. And it's okay if it's an 18-year-old kid. So, all right. I'm going to call Cincinnati and uh, let them know that we're interested in Bronson. And let's see. Maybe they'll take the deal as Lidge for Lidge and goes for Bronson. But I assume not. But we'll talk to them right now and see what the deal is. tell you about what's happening at philliesnation.com right now. Well, the winter meetings are upon us this week. The offseason is now getting into full swing, and the Phillies should be busy at least making some Rule 5 picks, hopefully. We have a lot about the winter meetings here on the website with what the Phillies might be doing, a look at the Rule 5 draft, and a look at Phillies history at the winter meetings. They have been busy last few years, and we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll get you set for any signing and trade that happens, give you all the analysis, the opinion, all of that good stuff. Also, check out the Phillies Nation podcast. We'll do a special winter meetings podcast next week. Be on the lookout for that. A lot happening. Follow us on Twitter at Phillies Nation for live updates and much more. Plus Instagram at Phillies Nation underscore and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Phillies Nation. The winter meetings. An awesome time to follow and do no work. You should. Don't do any work. Get fired from your job. PhilliesNation.com
moving on, we have to talk about Jay Happ, who was still in rehab in Lehigh Valley. We decided to keep him there. He has up to 30 days to be in rehab, so we're just going to keep him there because we still want to look at a couple things in our rotation before we bring Happ back into the fold. And tonight, we're starting a series with the San Diego Padres out in San Diego. We have Scott Casimir on the mound, who pitched well his last time out there. But the Padres have Jake Peavy on the mound, who is sporting an ERA somewhere under 2.0. Fantastic. Well, we lost 4-2. to um, But Casimir went six innings, so that's okay. He gave up four runs. Uh, which stinks. Seven hits, three strikeouts, two walks. Durbin, remember Chad Durbin's back on the roster, pitched two scoreless innings. Hey, maybe he can turn it around now. You never know. It wasn't he... He was the one that we replaced Lidge with, wasn't he? Yes. So Durbin came back in once Lidge was thrown out, yes. So I think he's already added more value in those two innings than Lidge did all season. True. His ERA is 12, so it's better than Lynch. So, um, And PV went 7 and a third, 10 strikeouts, 3 walks. Jason Worth struck out 4 times. He's now hitting 210 on the year. Ugh. He's got to get going. Yeah, really not getting from him what we wanted to. June 2nd, 2009. The Phillies are 16 and 35. Okay. Next game of the series, David Price on the mound against the Padres, Kevin Correa. Boy, I hope there's no future where we have to sink to having Kevin Correa in the in the starting rotation one day in the future. <laughs> Time will tell. 8-4 win. All right. So we're still, you know, we're not completely uh, uh, falling back on our losing ways yet. We, we lost the opener in the series, but we came right back in this one. And Jason Worth just uh, got a big hit in this game. Not as if he, I mean, he still struck out twice, but he got a big, is it triple in this game? Yeah. The the recap of the game says that he's tied for 10th in the NL in home runs with 11, aided the Philadelphia Colts with a two-run triple in the top of the six. So they set us up to think he would hit another home run, but then he hit a triple. <laughs> yeah, they're toying with, that, with our expectations here. Yeah. Uh, Matt Stairs actually hit a home run in this game. Uh, he got a start in left field because Ibanez is still hurt, obviously. And uh, let's see, Howard went three for four, which is good to see. David Price went two for three, which is cool. I don't, I don't know if he ever had major league hit before now, so that's great for him. And Price went five innings, gave up three runs, five strikeouts, two walks. Could be better. Um, the bullpen, though, I mean, this is great. Lopez went two innings. He gave up a run, uh, and he walked three, so that wasn't great. But then Crane came in and pitched a scoreless eighth, and Madsen pitched a scoreless ninth. So I feel like the back end has finally kind of materialized for us. Yeah, getting Jesse Crane in that deal, I mean, he had been having a rough season up to that point, but his rating was so high that you had to you had to figure that he was going to bounce back. And if he can, then the, between him and Madsen, it's a very different bullpen. I'm getting a phone call. It is... Oh, it's Scott Malicci, the GM of the Reds. Hold on a sec. Ooh, intrigued. Well, he wants a bunch of prospects. One of Freddie Galvis or Darren Ruff or Tyler Cloyd. So those are all actually legit prospects. Anthony Goes was not really a prospect type in our in our rating, but so now they want us to add on a guy who's an actual prospect. It's like they're using the, the foot-in-the-door technique, right? We get us interested... 
with a with a low offer, and now suddenly that we're talking, they want something more. Yeah, Worley is a sixty-five potential, as we said. Um, Darno is a Darno's a twenty potential, but he's having a very good season for Lakewood, and probably is getting close to being called up to Clearwater at some point. Twenty-year-old catcher. Um, I mean, none of these guys are actually... Well, Trevor May's a 50 potential. Uh, Freddie Galvis is a 20 potential. Domingo Santana is a 20 potential. Tyler Cloyd is a 30 potential. And Darren Ruff is a 20 potential. So none, and, and Dugan, who was our first-round pick, uh, is a 20 potential. So none of these guys are like 70s or 60s or anything like that. Really, the only guy is Trevor May, who's got... And Vance Worley. But these are all players who... They, you know, it's another prospect. It's another prospect. I don't know. I'm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that they, that our scouts thought so lowly of these of these guys. Yeah, considering that in the alternate world, every one of these guys but Kelly Dugan has made the major leagues. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm thinking: is how can they possibly all be twenties? Um, Domingo Santana, you know, I think maybe Ruben Amaro still has some of his scouts in our system because if we're just <laughs> including Domingo Santana as a throw-in, then I guess that's what we're doing. It's a good joke. Um, <laughs> no, it would be a good joke if it didn't still kind of hurt a little bit. Yeah. So, as I said earlier, I knew that Cincy would probably come back with something, and I might entertain it if we got a prospect back from them, and if they want, like... I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in like Darren Ruff, okay? Because to me, a bat only, power only first baseman is one of the least like prospects you need in your system. If it was Ruff and Ghost plus Lidge, I feel like we would need like maybe a 35 potential guy from them, and I don't know if they would do that. Yeah, you know, at least something to kind of balance the scales a little. Do you want to entertain it, or the other option we have is we can just look at another deal, and the one that, I mean, stands out is Milwaukee, because they would actually just take Lidge for Sapan and, and goes. Or, you know what I mean. Yeah, they, they would do Lidge and goes for Sapan. Um, yeah, I mean, Sapan's only 30-30, though, which isn't great. I mean, you'll at least get some kind of contribution out of him, unlike Lidge, but... Arroyo would, you know, he might actually be, I don't want to say difference maker, but he would at least hold his own instead of just being kind of a guy who was there. Um, I'm, I wouldn't mind just seeing if we can get something out of Cincinnati and if they would entertain us taking one of their prospects. And if it just looks like a, a faulty plan, then we should just pivot from there immediately. Sure. So we try a bunch of options with the Reds and guess what? Nothing really works. Pivot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm fine going to Milwaukee uh, just because it, 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 it would be easier to complete that process. Um, it, it sucks to move on from Arroyo because, like I said, he is good enough that, you know, if let's say we decide that David Price maybe should still be in AAA or something like that or we do have an injury, Arroyo would, would be a better, you know, way to even out our rotation than, say, Sapan or calling up half, maybe, if he's not doing so well yet. But, um, you know, you don't want to turn it into a project, either. It's not like we're getting back what we got for Victorino, and this is like a, a you know a game-changing trade for us. Yeah, this is more like we have a very big glut on the con- on the payroll, and I, we got to get rid of it, and we don't feel like there's a future here. So, 
I'm okay with having a Jeff Sapan if it means like he struggles to be the fifth starter on this team and we have to maybe option him to AAA and he decides he doesn't want to go to AAA we have to waive him too. I don't know. I'm okay with it. If it, I mean, Anthony Goats is a tough price to pay, but um, it's not terrible. And it's, I, I'd rather just give up one guy than, than have to go through the whole prospect chain. So, all right, so um, one thing that I think that we'll have to do if we do go that route is uh, decide a way to pronounce his name because we've said it three different ways already. And, <laughs> and, uh, you mean um, Jeff so Suppin? Jeff Suppin, yeah. So his nickname is Soup. I pulled him up on Baseball Reference. His nickname is Soup. Uh, apparently, he prefers Supon. Supon, okay. Supon, and they call him Soup. So are we are, are we going with Suppin then? <laughs> we can we can go with him just to kind of close the book on the Brad Lidge era. Wait, so what do we, what do you want to go with? <laughs> Supon. Supon. All right, we'll do Supon. Um, all right, so Milwaukee loves the deal. Um, our, our our underlings don't love the deal either. Um, they don't love the deal much for us. So, also our money would drop even more because Supon is getting paid a little bit more per year than Lidges. Um, do you want to try to milk like a, like a nothing prospect out of them? Yeah, we could. I mean, and we don't think that they would throw in like a million bucks or anything like that. Half a million? Probably not. Uh, we can find out. I think that all these GMs and owners are being too stingy. Really? <laughs> yeah, you add a million dollars and they don't want to trade with uh, an overpaid veteran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they won't even take, they won't even give us half a million All right, Jake Odorizzi, 19 years old. He is a 20-45. He's currently in single A and uh, potential 55 stuff, 45 movement, 50 control, 45 fastball, 60 curveball, 40 slider, 60 changeup. Stamina 70. Looks like he could be a middle-of-the-road to back-end major league starter or maybe a late-innings reliever at worst. Yeah, so that's interesting. So now we go from, you know, just kind of swapping payroll to getting back, um, you know, a legit prospect and kind of a quadruple-A caliber uh, pitcher up front. Yeah, I think that is pretty decent, actually. And if it means getting rid of a very gluttonous contract, then I'm cool with it. Yeah, I'm cool with it, too. We're at least going to get some kind of value out of that, hopefully, and not a guy with a 14 ERA. Yes. Um, I'm just going to be... I mean, we can even add another prospect in this deal, apparently. This is kind of fun. Hell, we can add Mike Fires with Odorizzi. Really? Yeah. And what was Fires' uh, potential? Fires is a 30 potential. Okay, so not great, but not nothing. Uh, potential 50 stuff, 45 movement, 50 control, 50 fastball, 55 cutter, 45 curve, 40 changeup. Probably a middle reliever at worst. Yeah, I think he wound up being like a, a contact pitcher uh, type yeah. in, real, 
in, in real life, if I recall. So, um, so yeah, I mean, inning theater maybe, reliever maybe. I mean, I'm 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 in pretty good. I mean, yeah, I'm in, I I like this deal. I, I say let's do it. We're gonna do it. Okay. All right, we're gonna do it. What's funny is that um, 2009 was about Charlie Manuel uh, just consistently sticking with Brad Lidge, saying, he's my closer, he's my closer. You and I, on the other hand, have no loyalty, I don't think, because he has been awful, and so we threatened to send him to the minors. We instead were willing to trade him for almost nothing um, if it came to it, and then fortunately in the end we're extracting some kind of value from him, but... Just very different philosophically from Charlie. Speaking of Charlie. June 3rd, 2009. The Phillies are 17 and 35. Let's find out all the ways in which I am an idiot. All right. Um, good morning, Dan. Got a How message from Charlie Manuel last night. Okay. So, we, we kind of overlook something here. What's that? Oh, no. Does he want an extension? No. Jeff Sipan, Supan, excuse me, is a plague in the clubhouse. I see. No one wants to be around him. Okay. And the note from Charlie Manuel was, uh, Things have almost boiled over in the clubhouse, and some players aren't sure that bringing in Jeff Supan would help at all. Some are actually more concerned that he will make things worse. Okay. So, he couldn't have told us that sooner? Well, I mean, the info on Supan was that he wasn't good in the clubhouse, and we didn't talk about that. I didn't mention it. I didn't see it. So... You know, that's a thing. It's a thing to think about. <laughs> it is a thing to think about, especially with a team that's already... I mean, we've been winning lately, but a team that's so far behind in the standings. So we could we could still... We don't have to put Supan in the Major League roster. We could potentially move him over to Lehigh Valley and see if he accepts that assignment. Yeah, we could do that. I mean, we were ready to cut Lidge anyway, so if we end up paying... You know, it's a lot of money, but if we end up paying that money and uh, and Soup never sees the majors, but instead we get, uh, you know, two two pitchers that might contribute to our team long-term, then that's not nothing. It's better than just, you know, seeing Lidge ride off into the sunset with $12 million in his pocket. Well, we just move on with Jeff Supon, the clubhouse cancer. Because of his arrival, we have to make a couple other moves. Clay Condry goes through waivers now because he has to be removed from the 40-man roster. We remove Radamus Liz off the 25-man roster, and he goes to Lehigh Valley. And then we make a couple other moves with the guys that we acquired. Mike Fires goes to AA Redding, and Jake Odorizzi goes to single-A Williamsport. And now we have another game between Jeremy Hellickson and Chai Sung Beck of the Padres. 4-2 loss. And in this one... Boy, I wish we could have won this series. San Diego's not a very good team. Back through eight innings and six strikeouts, two earned runs. I mean, really, guys? Helixson went five and two-thirds. Six walks? What is with the walks? 
I feel like he's walked like five guys every outing. Yeah, and you don't expect that from him. It's, I mean, sooner or later we're just going to fire our pitching coach anyway. Uh, next time we need a scapegoat, but you, you don't expect to see that from Hellickson. No, he has a five point four walk per nine. Well, that was in Tampa Bay. He has a three five walk per nine here in Philly. Maybe it's Price who was walking guys. It might have been Price, but six walks is a lot. Tashner with an inning gave up a run, and Chano Park gave up a run. Or excuse me, Chano Park was scoreless in one inning. He's been great this year. Um, offensively, Jason Worth went two for four, so at least he's uh, on a positive end there. And nobody else really did much of anything in this game. So, Worth hit his 12th home run of the year. Congratulations, Jason Worth. <laughs> yeah, thanks for doing it when it doesn't matter. June 4th, 2009. The Phillies are 17-36. and 36. All right, we're about to start a four-game series in Los Angeles against the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers are currently 41 and 13. I'm going to skip the first three games of the series. Here's a hint. We lose the first three games of the series. June 7, 2009. The Phillies are 17 and 39. We bemoan the whole Dodgers series and how poorly we play because it's really bad. And we realize, despite that, that it's not really reflective of the kind of team we are. Somehow, I don't know. I'm I I guess I'm just I don't know. There's nothing really to do with this team. They're just I what I know that's that's what's so frustrating now is that we're running out of ways to fix problems. We've well, made I, a I, trade I, to get all this pitching back. You know, we've done some tinkering here and there, but I don't know. There there aren't a lot of moves we can still make. Well, I don't want to look at like a Dodger series as something that is going to judge how we should because this Dodgers team is a little ridiculous. Like, Randy Wolf is a 2.80 ERA coming up here. Like, he's past his prime. This is this is weird, you know? I don't think that this should be symbolic of how bad our team is at this moment, this series. Yeah, hopefully we'll just we'll get out of L.A. and uh, better things will follow. On to the game. And y- you know what? Yeah, somehow better things followed just for the night. And then in the seventh inning... Randy Wolf on the mound. Carlos Ruiz walks. One out. Greg Dobbs singles. Jimmy Rollins walks. Johnny Gomes singles to score one. Then Chase Utley walks. Then Ryan Howard walks to reload the bases. And then Jason Worth hits a double to score two. And it's a 6-5 to five game after... Six and a half. Then in the eighth inning, Chooch singles, Pedro Alvarez walks, Corey Sullivan grounds out, moving the runners over. Then there's two outs. Chris Coast with a two-run double, and then Chase Utley with a two-run homer, and the Phils hold on for the 9-8 to eight win. That is a good game. Not just because we won. I would have loved to watch this one. Hey, if you're a listener to Playing the Rube and you have a business or maybe you're doing something enterprising and you want advertising for that business or your enterprise, get in touch with me, Tim Malcolm. Email me at tim at philliesnation.com. Be glad to get your business advertised on Playing the Rube. We could do a quick commercial, whatever you think makes sense. No, it would be a quick commercial. That's seriously what we would do. 
But get in touch, Tim at philliesnation.com. We would love to get you on. And if you don't know by now where you can get Playing the Rube, you can get it on more than just Apple Podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and youtube.com slash philliesnation. We're on the Phillies Nation podcast. Check it out. Listen. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another one. Back to Playing the Rube. June 8, 2009, the Phillies are 18-39. and 39. Off day! Woohoo! Time to make a lot of roster moves. We have a ton of pitchers in the organization that need to be purged. So do you want to just do the straight-up purge here? Yeah, we could do that. It, it's like, um, it feels like defragmenting a hard drive, you know? You ever do that where <laughs> you just get all your files where they're supposed to be? That's what it feels like getting rid of these guys here, because... It's not going to really make a difference either way. It's just trimming our rosters down. I've, I've not defragmented anything in my entire life. Um, I, <laughs> us, I usually just like either do system reset or system restart or whatever it is, system update or whatever it is, or I just go to Best Buy and just throw them the computer. Oh, well, that works too. Yeah. I, uh, I just got a new computer today, so that's what I have like computer language on the brain here. Oh, congratulations. I hope, I hope it yes, treats you well. You. We'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> All right. Steven Register. I am registering a release. <laughs> uh, Gustavo Chassin. We're chasing you out of Lehigh Valley. Oh, man. John Atkins. Your diet has expired. And uh, Clay Condry's on waivers. Well, we'll let him go through waivers. Screw you. I don't have a witty... By the way, I met Clay Condry in spring training 2009 in real life. And I had talked yeah. to all the Phillies at that moment. Like, like well, all the Phillies that were at this party. Uh, it was like a Jamie Moyer benefit party, charity party. For Phillies Nation, by the way. We were there. Um, well, Phillies Nation was invited. And I talked to like... Jeff Jenkins, and I was like, your double was amazing in, in, in game five. Da, 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 da. Chase Utley, obviously, was amazing. Um, I talked to Raul Abanez. I was like, oh, I'm so excited you're here. You know, it's going to be so fun. Philly fans are the best. And then I went to Clay Condren, and I was like, you have a good fastball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, hello, Clay Condry. And then you just go straight to the next guy. <laughs> it's like, Greg Dobbs, your wife is hot. It really is, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Clay Condry, you're drinking a beer. Clay Condry. All right. That sounds right. Yep. Yeah. Jason Anderson has been slashed from the roster. Because his name's Jason. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Chance Chapman, you have no chance in hell. Shout out to Vincent yeah. Man. <laughs> Wish we could use music as our intro music. <laughs> yeah. Pat Overholt, we're overhauling, and you're gone. All right, and then William Bergola, I don't give a shit about you. And you're gone. I cursed about William Bergola. What am I doing? I um, I, I pulled up Condry's Wikipedia page to see, well, you know, to try to figure out if you had any missed opportunities. Like, maybe he's got some weird hobby or something that you could have talked to him about. Sure. Um. No, nothing. It doesn't tell me anything. So apparently you're not the only one who has very little to say to or about Clay Condry. Yep. 
he's just going to have to live with being a milk toast, nothing white bread guy. Uh, milk toast and white Here's bread, same thing. The, the, most, uh, the most interesting thing about him, I think, is that he was selected in the 94th round and still made it to the majors. So that's <laughs> actually pretty remarkable. That is good. I mean, I could have said, like, wow, your 94th round pick. Congratulations for making it. <laughs> I mean, really, though, it is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Our work here is done. Ah, our work isn't done. Kyle Kendrick can return from the disabled list. <laughs> but okay, well, not terrible. That's not terrible. No, he's actually had a pretty decent season. He has a four five zero ERA. That's pretty decent compared to everything else we have. Nine walks, eight strikeouts. Meh. Um, does he belong back in the majors? I, I guess so, right? Chad Durbin's terrible. In a yeah, in a relief role, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so Chad Durbin is going back to Lehigh Valley. Well, he refuses to be demoted. You know, this is ridiculous. Do you think anybody wants Chad Durbin? I, I don't think so, actually. You're correct. So, waivers? <laughs> I Yeah, I guess so. It's not like, I mean, how much are we paying him? $1.63 million. All right, that's not too bad. I mean, it sucks. It's not like Brad Lidge. It's not like Brad Lidge, but it sucks that he's getting paid, you know, almost $2 million. Yeah, it really does. And nobody wants him. I, and I don't know if I have the patience or if we have the roster space or the cap space now, um, or budget space, I should say, to do another Brad Lidge-esque trade where it got very complicated and convoluted there for a second. Yeah. All right, so we'll put him on waivers. We'll bring Kendrick back into the fold. And when waivers is up, we'll potentially... I don't know. We'll see what happens. Wave. Irrevocable waivers. Somebody please claim Chad Durbin. (laughs) Nobody's going to claim Chad Durbin. More roster moves. Don't you just love roster moves? Yay! J.C. Romero. He's still in Oh yeah. He's still in Lehigh Valley. He just got there. Um his fifty game suspension is up. Um we can have him be in Lehigh Valley for a little bit because it's sort of akin to a rehab start or being in spring training for a little while. Um are you fine with that? Do you want him in the majors right now? I don't think there's any reason to rush him at all. Okay. Same here. The, and the only reason the only reason I even want to keep him happy is that we have three more years of him. So he's another one. His ratings aren't good. He's a 20 overall, 20 potential. But we're paying him four and a quarter million, and we have three more years of him. I just want to say, though, it feels good to have a bullpen in Philadelphia where there are two guys with an over five ERA, but their ERAs are both under six. (laughs) There's nobody with an ERA over 11. That is progress. June 9, 2009, the Phillies are 18-39, and 39, and we go to New York to face the Mets for a three-game series. Dan says it should be a ball game. It was a ball game. We did lose. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't wrong, and that's what matters. 2-1, to 10th inning. Ryan Madsen blew it on a Jose Reyes home run. Oh, come on. Oh. Helixson pitched well. I don't, know, I don't know if there's a player I hate more than Jose Reyes. Um, Even in 2009. Yeah, no, I'm with you. <laughs> totally with you. He probably, like, 
crawled up the first baseline after he hit the home run. <laughs> just something just to stick it to us. Yeah. Because they need more. Man, oh man, that stinks. June 10th, 2009, the Phillies are 18-40. and 40. Okay, a loss, it's fine, no big deal. Good news, good news coming to us from afar. Jay Happ is back on the team, and he is now pitching for us tonight against Mike Pelfrey, who apparently owns the Phillies this year. Mike Pelfrey's had some great starts against us. Um, but I think this is the night that things change for us, Dan. I I feel it. I feel that way. I, I like that Jay Happ, we, we forgot about him a little bit, but he's a legit pitching prospect, too. He should be at least... Uh, middle of the rotation type starter with maybe a, a shot of having more. So you know he was he was hurt for a while. We kind of forgot about him in the in the flash of acquiring all these other players. But it's nice to have him too. So it'd be great to see him um, put a good stretch together. I mean, his overall is a 45. His potential is a 60, and all of his ratings, stuff, movement, control, and then his four pitches: fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, are at least 55 potential or more. Uh, the changeup is a 70 potential, and it's already a 70 currently. So it it's as if, like, he didn't start the season well. He had a 9.31 ERA with us to start the year, and then he got hurt. Lehigh Valley, he had six starts in rehab, and he went 4-0 with a 3-4-0 ERA, 52 strikeouts and nine walks. So it's as if, like, he's going to come right. I, I, like, I feel like he's going to start to really get himself going here after this DL stint, and we'll see a different pitcher. That's my cross my fingers, knocking on all the wood in my house, um, and uh, holding up a hex sign uh, to Colby Lewis's head. Uh, these are this is everything that I believe right now. So that's that's all the superstition you know then. I could do more. I could probably um, introduce a black cat to my daughter. Um, what what other superstitious things I can. I can hold a mirror up to a mirror to a I don't know. Is there a mirror? Is there a mirror thing? I don't think there's a mirror thing, no. Okay. I don't think that's a thing. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. Hey, 11-4 to 4 win. All right, see? All that superstition always pays off. That's what I always say. Boy, that's a big win for us. 11-4. to 4. Get some. 11 to 4, that's good. Yeah. We scored. Oh. <laughs> of course. It was a 3 to 2 game going into the 8th, and then we scored 8 runs in the final two innings. <laughs> well, they, our batters realized that the bullpen was going to get involved at some point, so they had to put it away. So here's the crazy thing Hap only goes 5 innings, he walks 6. Like. What is the not a good start, What is the control problem with our pitching staff? Like none of our starters can throw fewer than three walks a start. It seems. At some point, I keep saying this, even though it's not his fault. At some point, we're going to fire our pitching coach just because, and it's not going to make any difference. But we're going to do it. We're going to have to. I mean, it, like we can't have a young staff that is this wild. And Hap has like a fifty. Can I mean? His control right now, it's a 45 with a 55 potential. It's not bad. It's average, and it has the chance to be good. There's no reason why he should be walking six. He walked nine in six starts in Lehigh Valley. It's ridiculous. We're going we're gonna to fire the yeah, coach. You, we're going to fire him. Really, <laughs> not yet. I don't know if we have to do that today, yeah, but, but at some point I know we're going to. 
June 11, 2009. The Phillies are 19 and 40. Good news, we beat the Mets, but then we have Chad Durbin to deal with. All right, Chad Durbin, you won't believe it, was not claimed. Oh, man. I, you know, I really need to stop making predictions. <laughs> and he will refuse an assignment to Lehigh Valley. Well, I'm going to refuse to buy him a plane ticket then. So how's that going to work out for him? Are you – where do you lean here? Well, I thought that our plan was to release him if if he didn't um, accept his assignment. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with releasing him. I just want to know that that's uh, where, where your head is. Still. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I don't know. I mean, do you really even see anybody on our roster that you would that you would option or get rid of before him? <sighs> um, Jeff Soup. <laughs> <laughs> but that money, um, we have to live with it for now. Um, otherwise, not really. I mean, Rodrigo Lopez has been sort of just the long man who has a terrible ERA, but he's better than Chad Durbin in a middle relief spot, so yeah, and Rodrigo has actual potential still, which is weird but he does, yeah, 45 50, 50 so. potential, oh 45, yeah, 45 it fluctuates, yeah it fluctuates a little bit, but still that's roughly average yeah, yeah, I think uh, we need to hold on to someone like that, which is stupid because it's Rodrigo Lopez but I'm uh, yeah there's 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 nowhere for Durbin to go. There's nowhere for him to go. It's it's there's nowhere for him to go but on the Derb. On the no, that doesn't that doesn't work though. No, no, on the curb. No, I know what it's supposed to be. I know what you're going for, but you know I let the other ones. How about how about how about how about how about he belongs in the Durbin of society. Um. Sure. Okay. Whatever will make it so that we can end this. That's perfect. I'm okay, <laughs> okay. with it. I love that. <laughs> now let's move on from the terrible puns to a baseball game. The final game of the three-game series against the Mets. They're throwing Johan Santana. We're throwing Cole Hamels. Let's get it. <sighs> Two-to-one loss. Uh, I mean, these both of these losses were close games, so it doesn't make it feel any better but at least you can chalk it up to you know random variance and say that like nobody i mean they're close games right we didn't give up a ton of runs in either of these games that we lost so that's already progress because last few weeks it felt like we were going to be losing by 10 runs every day yeah but this sucks it'd be nice to get on the good side of this because we haven't been on the good side of these games that often and if we have it's been like a furious comeback in the ninth inning to win a game you know yeah, it, it, and it would be nice, too, to go on a stretch of, of good series, you know, maybe win three series in a row, something like that. Yeah, it'd be nice. We we can't get two series. <laughs> I mean, we just got two series in a row recently, so it's been uh, it's been a bit of a battle for us. Um, Raul Abanez is ready to come off the DL. Oh, good. So we can, uh, I think Brian Stavisky probably is ready to go back down. Uh, 235, 316, 373. He's been a nice little placeholder, but I think that's about it for him right now. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Or, or Corey Sullivan's 182, 182, 273. 
Oh, okay, yeah, Sullivan, Sullivan then. And Savisky has center field capability. Let me just make sure it's decent. It's a 45. I think that's enough for backup. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. What's nice, too, the Bonyas will obviously hit for better average than either of them, but it'll also hit for more power. So should be able to be a little bit better at scoring runs with the back. One would hope so. Abanez has had a really tough season so far, um, only hitting 217, 291, 354. Maybe there was an injury there to start the year, and it was lingering, and that's just the problem. So it's just, why I would like it, to think that. Why does it feel like everyone not named Utley or, I think, Ruiz is having a down year? Like, with, with a player, you know that there's a broad spectrum of possible outcomes, but it feels like for our team, everyone is having the lowest possible part of that spectrum come true. Playing the Rube is a Phillies Nation production. You can find it on the Phillies Nation podcast, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and YouTube.com slash Phillies Nation. The executive producer is Brian Michael, the founder of PhilliesNation.com. Tim Malcolm, me. I am the host and the producer of the podcast. Thanks to Dan Walsh for co-hosting and thanks to bensound.com for the music in a couple weeks we'll be back with the next installment of playing the rube in which more phillies losses are sure to come but wait there's a twist no there's not there's more phillies losses sure to come we'll see you next time on playing the rube